Hello there. Welcome back to the Feedgrass for Good podcast brought to you by Hustler Equipment, the world's most innovative livestock feeding equipment. Each episode, we talk with a different sustainable farmer or expert in sustainable farming. And today we're talking with James Doran from Brookhill Angus, a seed stock operation based in northeastern Kentucky. He's got a sizable following on LinkedIn. And full disclosure, there's a lot of unapologetic mutual admiration between James and the entire Hustler Equipment family. But in all seriousness, James cares a lot about his ranch, his animals, and his soil. So let's get into it. Hi, my name is James Doran. I'm the owner of Brookhill Angus. Um, I run the ranch along with my wife, Michelle. I have been around cattle since I was a child. My, my father, uh, he, he started the Angus herd on our property. I'm, I'm actually a fourth generation um, cattle, cattleman. Uh, if you go back uh, throughout my family, uh, they've had cattle for quite a long time. The, the property itself uh, was purchased out here in 1840, uh, around, right around 1840, 1841. And my family came over from Ireland and uh, set up shop here. So we haven't always had Angus on the property. That started in 1967 with my father, um, but there has been cattle out here for multiple generations. I, was, I worked out on the farm. I grew up out on the farm uh, since I was a child. And after I went to University of Kentucky and my background, uh, have a degree in economics and a degree in finance. And so after I left University of Kentucky, I went to work on Wall Street. And so my, my paths went very, very far away from the farm, but I would always come back uh, to sort of decompress and spend a little time here and there. Quite frankly, I never, I never thought I would be transitioning into this, but at the moment, if, I, if someone said, you've got to stop doing this immediately, uh, I would I would be going through some serious withdrawal. I, I basically had just been burned out by um, being in you know the large city and um, and not feeling a sense that that I had uh, room to stretch, freedom freedom to move. I felt very constrained and very, I felt like I was in a very high pressure, high, you know, ultra competitive environment at all times. And I didn't feel like that was something that was healthy for the long term um, versus being out on the ranch where um, it's not to say you don't have difficult days and, and, and a lot of pressure at times, but uh, you can always take a walk down through the field and walk amongst the cattle or, you know, go down, go down by the creek and just, just take a moment to decompress. And you can't do that in the city. I mean, it, it's, it's very difficult just to walk out and, you know, feel like you, you are alone. I spent a lot of time in uh, Central Park because uh, I, I really loved having some trees around and, and that is what roughly 800 acres. It's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful park and, but still it's not the same as I'm going to walk over here and I have my private space and no one's going to be watching me or, or bothering me. Uh, and you have that on a ranch. One of my passions, I love to read. And uh, I've always been around 
books and I've got a huge library and I can pick up things pretty fast. And when I go into something and it's just my personality, I like to go all chips across the table. Uh, I'm not going, if I'm going to do something like with the cattle, uh, I'm not going to just dabble a little bit here. I want to go full in uh, and if it fails, it fails. If it succeeds, it succeeds wildly. With this, I was able to, to come into the business and see things that I really, really didn't agree with. And one of the things that, that I didn't like was the control of the beef business by the four major packers, JBS, Tyson, Cargill, uh, Marfrig. They call it the Packer cartel in the, in the cattle business, but uh, it's basically a, somewhat of a monopoly uh, situation. I was seeing how cattle were raised and I didn't, I didn't like it because the more time I spent with the cattle, I knew all their personalities. I mean, even with the herd being uh, right now around 118, 119 head, uh, I know every single one of them. I know it sounds really difficult to, to imagine, but I go out there and I know these cattle and to, tr and to treat these cattle as units like a mass assembly line for one thing, I think it's it's a it it just goes against what we should be doing as human beings for this planet. And secondly, I think that if people are wanting to eat very high quality beef, why would you want to eat an animal that had gone through a huge amount of stress versus an animal that had lived a, a peaceful life, uh, you know, no stress? We all know what the end result is going to be for these animals. I mean, uh, we can't keep uh, you know, the entire cattle herd of the world as pets, but uh, we can treat them with total respect. And I think there's a lot of other ranchers too that are either not super old or who, or who are coming into this business. I think that they see the same thing and they don't, and they don't want that. Uh, they, don't, they don't want to raise animals like that. And as you've seen from LinkedIn, when these posts go up, the people who are reacting to them, they don't want to eat beef raised any other way. They have, I mean, they, they're pretty, they're pretty opinionated on what they want to eat. And they want to eat beef that was raised in a nice open free environment, low stress. And as you can see, they're craving it. I think all farmers and ranchers are regenerative to a nature unless they want to be out of business. I mean, you have to take care of your pastures. You have to you have to do do things that make it come back. Otherwise, you don't have any business. The, the whole term regenerative, I, I kind of feel like that's a, a catchphrase that, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Silicon Valley has uh, our expert marketers. And, uh, and if you're trying to get uh, seed funding or you're, you're trying to start different projects, the, the, the catch here, it sounds, I mean, regenerative agriculture sounds very, very appealing, but it's basically, I'm taking care of the soil so that I've got something to work on next year. So that's always been done out here, but with the hustler, it can be done better. Because they used to feed all the hay and hay rings and a lot of the farmers that don't have hay rings would just throw the bale in the field on one spot and so you just have it look like a bunch of mortar shells went off in the field you know the following spring 
but by using the hustler i fed throughout the winter fields were really muddy but they were muddy all, all the field was muddy because of driving back and forth and i'm doing hay and now those same fields show no sign of damage whatsoever they've all come back they're all green you would never even know there were cattle fed in there over the winter uh, versus using the hay range so i guess if that's regenerative you know that yes that's what we're doing we have a lot of clover around here white uh ladina uh, ladina clover and we have red clover well when those when that hay's baled a lot of times you'll bale up the you'll bale up the clover and the clover is seeded and so when you're unrolling it back into a field uh the next spring if you see that whole field go off almost like popcorn going off all these little tiny white clover flowers you know you reseeded it uh, because it, it it basically as as that hay was unrolling those seeds were, were going back in the ground and the cattle were trampling it in with their feet uh, so the the whole seed the whole field was getting reseeded because you can you can see the clover pop back up I don't know from a from a quantifiable standpoint how much seed went back on the field but I know that if you're seeding like a bare field if it's just dirt you prep the field and you're seeding back in dirt you'll probably put maybe around here at least 20 pounds of seed per acre uh, but you think if you feed 100 bales or 200 bales in a in a field over winter I mean how much of each bale is a if a bale weighs a thousand pounds or 1200 pounds how much seed is coming off that bale you're probably overseeding more more than you'd normally if you just went out and seeded you know to buy seed and, and when you think about it from a standpoint of the hustler yes there's a there's an initial investment cost as with anything uh you you're going to have a food truck business what you got to do you got to go buy a food truck uh you can't you can't just uh you know start carrying around a backpack till you work yourself up to the truck a lot of times that seed can be a hundred or two hundred dollars a bag uh i mean seed is extremely expensive and if you think you're reseeding your fields for free with a the hustler then there's just more and more savings to come you know it's not savings it's realized instantly but it's savings that's realized over time before i would use a hay ring and so i'd set the hay ring on a, basically a high spot on the field where you know try to limit the amount of mud around the hay ring and i would put a bale in the hay ring and um, i use these hay rings from sioux steel they had a skirt around the bottom so everything and the bale would hold off the ground most people feed them in bales where they're sitting right on the ground but this actually held the bale off the ground so they'd reach in and they would eat every last bit of the hay there was no waste of the hay at all but here was the problem with that if it rained where we have we have a huge amount of rain here almost sometimes some winters can be 40 inches 50 inches of rain throughout the winter these 1800 pound cows create like a moat of mud all the way around the ring because they're sitting there they're trampling it it's raining more moisture is coming in and at some point in time they keep going and going until the mud is almost up to their their belly and so imagine think of yourself as a bovine if you're 1800 pounds uh and you're strong you will get in and eat if you're a calf you're not going to get into mud that's two feet deep unless you want to die if you're an older cow that's a little more feeble needs a little more time you're not going to get in and be bullied so pretty much the only 
animals that eat out of a hay ring, uh, for the most part, are the strongest cows. With the hustler system, the I call them boss cows, uh, the first time I, I let out a roll, they were watching, they didn't know what was going on. The boss cows like to control the situation. They like to take everything. So they like to take everything. So when the hay started to come out of the out of the hustler, they ran and they dominated. But as the hustler kept going for a quarter to half a mile down the field, the boss cows realized I can't eat all this hay. Even though they were trying, they would take a bite and then run and go forward to try to take another bite, but they couldn't, they couldn't keep up. And then you'd see the old cows come in and they were eating, the calves were eating, everybody was eating and, and no pushing, no shoving. And I was like, you know, how can something so simple be so brilliant? This just solved so many problems. Let's say you have a field where you don't have really strong grass growth or, or, or just, just areas that aren't that good. Well, with the hustler, you can say, well, I'm going to concentrate every day feeding you know, for the next 30 days, I'm going to feed in a tight pattern on this section of the field. And they, they eat, they, uh, you have the cow manure, they push everything down into the soil, the seed, and then you leave that section of the field and you go somewhere else. And, and then that section has time to start rebuilding. And so when you look at this compared to, you know, uh, you see me a lot on LinkedIn talking about impossible meats and the fake meats and all that. They always talk about how it's going to save the planet, but they don't, they conveniently don't discuss how the inputs are created. Uh, it's just, don't worry about that stuff. Look at our nice packaging. You eat this chemical burger, you're going to save the planet and people feel good inside and everything else. But we really don't address what's happening to the soil um, with, with how hustlers doing things. There's, there's no denying, even, even the, the, the greatest of skeptics would have to look and say, wow, you're putting manure back into the soil, no chemicals, seed, you're churning the soil up, and the next year, green grass and clover comes up. And another thing about clover, and I'm not, I'm not a soil expert, uh, as some, some that would raise crops, but um, a lot of these crops require nitrogen. Nit nitrogen volumizes into the air very quickly. So uh, you can throw nitrogen on a field, uh, but it could, you know, I don't know if I'm describing it just perfectly, but uh, it, it, it's like kind of like alcohol. Like if you threw alcohol onto and, and poof, it evaporates. Well, when you have clover in a field, and this is one reason why we don't, we don't spray things like chaparral or Roundup uh, to kill weeds. We just deal with weeds by clipping the fields with a, with a, uh, like a bush hog or a mower. But when you have clover in the field, it draws nitrogen into the soil. It fixes nitrogen into the soil. So when you think about the manure, the seeding, the trampling of the ground to get it nice and level, uh, clover coming back up, fixing the nitrogen, there's nothing there that was bought at a store and applied to this soil uh, to make something grow. I mean, it, it, it's just like a, you, the cattle will go back to where they were fed in the spring and eat what they created. 
if that makes any, you know, and, and when you see stuff like that, you say, well, how bad can cattle be? You know, there all these people scream about climate change and they want, they want all these great things to happen with climate change, but climate change is something that happens in my opinion, from a grassroots effort. And, uh, if, if we are raising food in a more ethical and sustainable manner, then I think everything will fall in place. But if we, if we are allowing these companies to concentrate the food supply into, into just a few entities that, that control everything, then we're literally at their mercy. And I don't like that, that idea. I, I do not like that idea at all. And I think what people see are they see these capos, these concentrated animal feeding operations, and and they see you know twenty thousand head of cattle on fifteen acres or twenty acres, and they say, oh, I don't want to eat beef. I don't. I don't like that. But the the picture that that I'm telling you is what I'm trying to put out on LinkedIn and others that are on LinkedIn in that space. They're trying to say, hey, listen, before you completely mark off meat look at how some people are raising it and this is how it should be raised on a mass scale if we're going to address cows let's address humans as well and and that's a touchy subject that people don't like to talk about but it it, uh, it has to be addressed because you know if we're going to say well listen we're just going to get rid of cows it's one of those things like um like people saying well they see weeds out in the field I'm going to spray my whole field with weeds uh, or uh, with Roundup. I'll have, I'll have nothing but grass. Yeah, but you killed all your clover. Oh, and then you killed your bees too. You could possibly have given yourself cancer, uh, breathing in all that Roundup you're spraying on the fields. So you see how one, fixing one problem can lead to other problems. I think we need to find a way to coexist with cattle. And I think it's like I said in the video, people don't, I don't think people really have a problem with beef. I think they have a problem with how it's raised. Thanks so much, James, for sharing your time with us and for being so honest about your operation and what you're trying to do. Personally, I think it's inspiring to hear about how fervently you care about your animals and how they're progressing. And if you are inspired to level up your regenerative livestock feeding game, visit Hustler Equipment at hustlerequipment.com. And to see all the sustainable and regenerative farming articles in the Feed Grass for Good blog, you can go to hustlerequipment.com FGFG. Finally, if you like this episode, please smash those five stars and give us a glowing review. It will help other people interested in sustainable and regenerative farming find us. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.